Welcome to Let's Talk with Sanctuary, a podcast designed for women in ministry. I'm Bridget Tomlin, founder of Sanctuary, a ministry for ministry wives. Our desire is to break free from isolation and foster authentic connection. Let's redefine Sanctuary. Welcome to Let's Talk with Sanctuary. My name is Bridget and just so glad that you have chosen to join us this episode, episode number three of Let's Talk with Sanctuary. And I just want to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, to go back and listen to episodes one and two. We've already had some amazing feedback about this um, brand new podcast for women in ministry and are just excited to help you connect the dots to help you to know as a woman in ministry, a ministry wife, however you are serving in leadership, that you matter and that there's someone that cares about what's going on in your life and how you're doing ministry, how you're living life right now, because these are um, kind of worn out the statement, unprecedented times, but um, these are interesting times for the minister, and we want to just be an encouragement to you today. Today, our guest is uh, actually a very long time friend of mine. Her name is Allison Yandel. Known her for a very long time. We'll just probably just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> lots of great, great memories together, family, friends, um, so many good times together. And I'm just excited for, for you to hear from her heart and her perspective. Over the past decade, Allison has been committed to cultivating like meaningful experiences, both inside and outside the walls of the church through ministerial and programmatic design. So she is actually a product of three generations of pastors and is committed to equipping the church to be an innovative and impactful presence in the local and global community. So she's originally from Oklahoma, my home state, and she now calls South Florida home where she serves with an organization called Feed. It's an initiative of One Hope. She's going to tell us a little bit more about that here shortly. And she's helping to design free resources for youth pastors all over the world. So this is going to be a great connection a resource for many of you listening today as well. And we'll share a little bit more about how you can connect with her towards the end of today's episode. So thank you so much, Allison, for agreeing to be with us at Let's Talk. And um, listen, I just want to hear how are things going, even in light of uh, COVID-19 life down in Florida? Yeah. Well, first of all, Florida's crazy. So it's just, you've heard of the Florida man. I don't know. It's just all the crazy news articles that are associated to people doing weird things in Florida. So you take (laughs) that and you merge it with Florida being like a hotspot, South Florida, especially for COVID right now. So it's just been like this wild post-apocalyptic Mad Max weird time, but it feels like things either we've adjusted or things are, or kind of everyone's kind of coming out of hibernation. So that's been really good. But yeah, every, everything shut down in Florida. It was, it was tumbleweed. Wow. Yeah. It's been a weird time. You know, there's been some really great things that have come of it, but, um, you know, my grandma passed away and that was, yeah, in the middle of everything. So wasn't able to go and, and be, be home with family. And so, some really hard, strange parts of it. Mm -hmm. You know, for a while I was only being able to see my parents, um, on their patio. And, um, you know, my mom was literally rolling bottles of water to me because my whole family was just convinced that me living in downtown West Palm beach, that I was like patient zero for the Yandel family. (laughs) (laughs) By the grace of God, I'm good. But yeah, you know, so it was just weird having that isolation, but, but seeing how I think God was using it as a, as a way to make space in my life to where, 
everything just kind of came to a screeching halt. And there was a gift of, of having um, a reprioritization of life and time investment and things like that. So I, I think all of us have a different COVID story. Well, I'm glad to hear that. It is um, just like any season, I guess, we just have to look for the, the silver lining in the midst of it all. And, and I'm glad that you are, you're forging your way ahead. Well, we did talk a little bit in your bio about the fact that you are the product of three generations of pastors, which is rather remarkable. And so, you know, I think a lot of times when I hang out with pastors' kids or preachers' kids in general, they always have great stories. It's, there's kind of this common bond that draws them together. What are some of the, maybe maybe there was something that f- funny that strikes you that, that you can remember from just, maybe somebody that's not a preacher's kid wouldn't get it, but so many that are would. The one that my parents would always tell um, was the time that, and I know you're going to find this very hard to believe, but um, I got into a little bit of trouble during the church service and um, my mom carried me out of the sanctuary and the whole way as she's walking from the front of the church to the back of the church, she has me over her shoulder and I'm just saying, help me, somebody (laughs) help me, please help me. Bleeding for my life. That's my mom. <laughs> yeah. And that's always the one that's always kind of the go-to that, that keeps everybody out of trouble. But yeah, growing up, I, I liken growing up into in Christian culture, like growing up in like a Greek family, okay. you know, like my big fat Greek yeah. wedding, there's just a lot of funny. And like, that's the story I have with a lot of my friends now who weren't raised in the church, or maybe they just came to faith a couple of years ago. Um, the, the, the favorite one is just the deep wealth of knowledge I have of Christian contemporary music. And um, <laughs> anytime we get to incorporate Stephen Curtis Chapman references into anything, like that's a win for me. And it's its own culture, really. Right, right. I introduced somebody to Carmen a couple weeks ago. And the look on their face was like, you did not listen to this. I'm like, I listened to this. We listened <laughs> to it and we loved it. <laughs> we loved it. We loved it. <laughs> <laughs> we did not know to question it, but yeah, those are, those are the, the things that really stick out. That's awesome. Well, what do you think was big, really the biggest challenge of being raised in a ministry family? So this is a question I actually, I get asked by a lot of friends who maybe find out that my dad's a pastor and like, oh, what was that like? And what was hard about it? And whether it's intended or not. And I think for the most part, it's never intended. And even when it is intended, it's not with like bad intentions. Um, But there is such a blur between professional and personal. And if my dad is an attorney per se, I can kind of do like, for the most part, you know, I can do and be whoever and and nobody questions Mm. my dad's ability to be a good attorney based upon Mm. my decisions. But growing up in, in a pastor's home, everything you do ties back to yeah. your, your dad's vocation. Yeah. And it's a direct reflection of, of who he is. And I think that's the, the challenging part because for me, I was such an empathetic kid and I was so sensitive to the needs of everyone around me. I really put a lot of pressure on myself. Like nobody ever sat me down and had that conversation with me, but I picked up on it. Um, and that was, that was, that's been a very challenging thing in my adult life to overcome is that, um, you know, I, I can be who I am and I'm, I make good decisions and it's not going to, it's not going to sure. fall back and the family's not going to collapse. That makes sense. If I sure. mess up. Completely. And I know a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, especially pastors, kids would, would really identify with that. I've said that often, even just about 
being um, a minister's wife, you know, it's maybe with a politician is the only other career path I could say that the overall success and perception of the family is what validates the capacity that that man or woman has to be a success in the field of ministry or like for in that, in that regard, in being a politician or speaking on behalf of the people and everyone else, it doesn't impact them that same way. Yeah. Well, I was really fortunate to grow up when social media wasn't a thing. Yeah. You know, so now I just feel like there's so many windows and, and I don't think they're all accurate windows, right? But it's windows into people's personal lives now to where, I mean, honestly, I, 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 a lot of, a lot of the, the people in ministry that I work with now because of my job, I, just the pressure is so much more than it used to be when I was growing up. You know, there was still a shred of like anonymity and you could kind of get yeah. away from it. But now I, there's an expectation that not only are you um, a figure within your community, but the public figure as well. It's, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. And I, I think that where I've seen people struggle under the weight of that, you know, it, you can kind of go two ways with it. You can, kind of go to the rebellious side of things where you can do what I did and be over compliant, you know? So there's just, there's a real, it's tricky. It's tricky to navigate that. It is tricky. And, you know, we're all trying to figure that out when we're like 14. So, you know, that's easy. (laughs) Not so much, but um, it's something that we can walk together, hopefully journey together as a family. Um, You know, there are so many challenges within the ministry life, but there's also some great perks. What were some of your favorite things, perhaps, that you could take away from from being raised in a pastor's home? I think if I had to boil it down, um, (laughs) I could sum it all up with with two words. Um, Church lady. Church lady perks are next level. And nobody really knows it until you experience it. And then it's like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you grow up surrounded by a tribe of church ladies, like it's, you get food all the time, all the time, um, you know, hand knitted things, um, <laughs> like hand crafts. Like I still have like this crocheted remote holder that, well, of course you do that Mimi Osborne, the sister Mimi made it for me when I went Cute. to college and I still have like, just like these yes. great quilts. We the blankets. Um, you just have this group of women who are adopted grandmas. And, you know, it's funny when I was a kid, I used to tell everyone I have five grandmas and I would list off, you know, my biological grandmas. And then I would list off my church grandmas. And that's awesome. That's the perk. If, if you're lucky enough, you, you get around these women who it's like church lady, ride or die. They will have your back no matter what you need. <laughs> They will come in rolling, guns a-blazing with a pot pie. And like, they're there. (laughs) The Ministry of Pot Pies. The Ministry of Pot Pies, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But that, I mean, that's like, that's the perk. That's the perk for sure. That's to this day. Like if when people ask me what my favorite food is, and and again, you just don't get it until you get it. And I'm like, um, like potluck. I I know it's not a type of food. (laughs) church potluck or pot blessing if we're going to be really spiritual (laughs) yes go all the way with that yeah yeah but that's hilarious a church lady i in a a serious note too i think being raised around so many caring women had such an incredible impact on me and and i i think that's another huge perk of being a pk is i had exposure 
to so many amazing role models, uh, amazing men and women. And, and the tables I got to sit at just by the nature of we're going out to lunch after church. <laughs> and I get to hear, I, I got exposed to people's lives and got to hear their story and got to know them on a personal level. The relational access, I mean, that, that's been a huge, very, very shaping perk to me. Um, that's been so very good. grateful for that. That's yeah. so good. You know, it's not uncommon for preachers' kids to, of course, they get called to the ministry by some of those dear um, church ladies, I'm sure, um, rather than being God called. But then there's also, you know, so many that choose based on that experience, perhaps to just walk away from God and the church, you know, altogether. So what do you think was a defining difference for you as you've now obviously gone on to follow Christ into your adulthood? If I can just insert my opinion, um, because of the experience that I've had, especially in the community that I'm in now, um, it's a lot of people who are in this post-Christian context of they've left the church. Um, so this is my side nerdy note. Barna did a really great study on Christian exiles is what he calls it. They just mm-hmm. came out with a book and everything. So if you're looking, if you minister, family minister, wife, woman in ministry, if you're looking about how to disciple people who have left the church um, and bring them back in, read this book, Faith for Exiles. It's great. Sorry. Going to do like a little slide in right there, but I digress. Um, A lot of the reasons I think why people have um, left the church really have less to do with Christianity and more to do with the people who called themselves Christians. Sure. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's where it goes south for a lot of people. They can't differentiate between those two things. Um, and so with that being said, I was super fortunate. Um, first of all, growing up in, in my dad's church and with my dad as my pastor, not just my dad, but my pastor as well. My dad is incredibly kind, incredibly generous, the most down to earth, humble, um, wise leader. And so that's whose ministry I grew up under. And so that was kind of the first way that I was just really fortunate. Second of all, the church that I grew up in, I mean, we, my dad was there for almost 30 years. So I think we moved there when I was three. And so that was the only thing I ever knew was that church. And a lot of people don't have those stories as well, especially as pastor's kids. There's been a lot of movement and it's been often because there's been really tumultuous things that have happened within the church or a church split or something. And that's just not a part of my story. Um, We were really fortunate to be in an incredible community of of people. Um, And I I think that's what I credit a lot of the durable faith that I developed was because I was surrounded by people who were the real deal um, and just very faithful, loving Christian people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that I think is, that's the tie to me. It's just that experience I had growing up is what's kept me in the church is because I had such a beautiful um, experience with it. Yeah, that's so true. I think that um, all too often ministry families become the casualty of, like you said, people who call themselves Christians but have not embodied who Christ is. Mm-hmm. And that's the risk that God ran in giving his hands and feet to people who are willing to go under his name and under his umbrella um, to risk his divinity to humanity. And um, 
you know, only God can really make up for that kind of hurt. Because it's one thing when we get hurt from the world, but when we get hurt by people who are claiming to be followers of Christ, boy, that's the enemy's, that's his playground for sure. For sure is to come in and and just completely exploit that kind of experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the older I get and the more I've just learned that about the humanity of people, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know that sounds really oversimplified, but it's, it's so true is that I think we forget that people are human. And and of course, anytime where people are a part of the mix, you're going to get hurt. It's a natural repercussion of, of our state, um, no matter what relationship that you're in. And so um, again, it's just realizing that I can't, I can't hang my belief system based upon what I think should have happened with other people, or, you know, I really have to have a a faith for myself. Um, But yeah, it's, it's exactly what you're saying. Bridget is, is key. Well, you know, at sanctuary that we talk a lot about isolation and breaking up isolation, which is not lost on me that that's kind of a huge, huge part of this entire year um, is isolating people even more. But we also are really um, intentional about providing connection and trying to encourage women in ministry to connect intentionally with people who are doing similar things, you know, so that they can actually be vulnerable with one another and, and let down their guard just to encourage and equip, you know, today's woman in ministry. But what are you seeing? Because you're working with, um, kind of both sides of this ministry and secular side of the of the culture as far as merging the two, what are you seeing is the greatest message that even women in ministry need to hear today? Well, going back to the whole humanity thing, like mm-hmm. if we can if we can have the expectation that people are human, then the thing that I just am shouting from the rooftops is like as a woman in ministry, it is your God given divine right to be a human being. And I, I think we get so in the mode of, or maybe just me, uh, or maybe what I've experienced is like people are watching and in order to serve them well, I have to be perfect. Even if we're, we don't ever admit that, there's kind of that thought of in order to serve them well, I have to sacrifice and chip off parts of myself and be kind of this indestructible force. And I think it's a really beautiful thing when we first of all, can be in communities where authenticity is, is cultivated and welcomed. Um, but second of all, that we learn how to advocate for it ourselves. That's huge. It's huge. And because a lot of the times, like no one's going to give that to you, especially when you're in leadership, like you have to, you have to advocate for yourself. And, and I was thinking like two examples of this. Um, I recently had a situation where there um, is a girl that's a part of my church community and she was hurt that I had not acknowledged or gravitated towards her more relationally. And um, she, she told me about it and it was a really jarring conversation, but was more surprised by my reaction that I had to her. And again, what I'm about to say is not like well-crafted and edited. So you're just going to have to, to bear with me and know that like, if what I hear you hear and it's like, Oh, the Lord needs to convict your heart. Like he is, he will like, (laughs) (laughs) but I looked at her and I said, and I I told her, I'm like, I am so sorry 
that you feel that way. And that was never my intention to make you feel like you are not important, but also it is, it's, I'm a human and I get to be human and I get to miss it. And it was just this moment where I think she, she appreciated it. And she was like, yeah, I, I want you to be human. I'm like, thank you. Like I am human. And so like, this is an inevitable thing and I hear you and I hear what you're saying. And I think what you're saying is you really want to connect with, with more people and you, you'd like to connect with me. I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to take time to sit with you. Um, but in that moment, it was kind of a big deal for me because in years past, I mean, I would have just taken that. So I let someone down and they were hurt because of my actions and I have to be better and I have to do better. And it would have gone into this shame spiral place of, you know, God has given me this opportunity to love and serve people and I didn't do it, you know? So I think that was a moment of advocating um, for myself to get to be a human being and to get to get it wrong. And then to share that, that gift with other people of, of reminding them like, Hey, I get to be human too. Um, but the, the second, the second example is I have loved sitting back and watching my mom over the last 10, 15 years to see her as she's gotten older, just to really be able to advocate for herself to be a human too. Just getting to see my mom kind of come into her own and, and to kind of shed this pressure and weight of being the perfect pastor's wife and really getting to share the gift of her humanity with other people. And I think when you liberate yourself, it liberates other people. And like the best example is, you know, my mom wore pants to church and this was 15 years ago. So she wore pants to church and now people hear that and they're like, what? Okay but it was like a big deal and yeah. a very, very sweet, wonderful, well-meaning woman came up to her after church and said, Debbie, I just want to share that. I don't think it's appropriate for you to wear pants on Sunday. And my mom obviously was like, definitely shaken by this. She felt bad. Like, Oh my, but then she was like, no, I can wear dress pants. Like it's, it's okay. And by the time um, my mom, my parents just retired a couple of years ago from, from ministry. And, and by the time that my mom had left the church, this woman was wearing pants on, on Sunday morning. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I think that's like a really trivial thing, right? But it's one example of my mom kind of bucking against a norm um, and liberating herself and giving herself to kind of push the, the labels and the standards and liberating herself from those. And as a result, it, it liberated other people that were living under that same pressure um, and that same kind of legalistic mentality. I think that's, you know, really crucial. I, I don't remember the last time I watched an episode of Dr. Phil. So this has been a long time ago, but many, many years ago, I heard him say, we teach people how to treat us. And I don't know if there's a profession anymore where that is, that rings true when we teach other people how to treat us and are frustrated when they treat us that way. Um, and being able to, you know, I, I think on, on, you know, you get, there's two ends to that spectrum. There's the pastor's wife that says something in revolt against what someone else's personal conviction is. And that's not wrong either, because that's out of rebellion. I mean, that's not right either. That's, that's out of someone's rebellion. You know, like, I don't care what you think. But when we've checked our heart, and we know the Lord's okay with this, and He's okay with me 
being me, and I didn't make this decision to injure somebody, to rebel against their personal convictions, or to just, you know, flagrantly just show out, then the Lord and the Holy Spirit is responsible for guiding us into those kinds of responses. And I think that's an amazing, amazing thing. And you don't have to be 55 to get there. You know, it's about being self-aware enough, like you're saying, and being able to say, no, I think I'm okay with that. And I think he is too. And so I'm just going to ask you to love me anyway. Love me anyway in the midst of it. Right. Absolutely. And the, the nuance that you have there, it's like, and, I, and it's biblical, right? We don't take our own personal freedom. You know, we're mindful of the communities that sure. we're a part of. Sure. Um, but at the same time, I, I think that when you look at Jesus's ministry, so much of it was shifting the paradigms and mm-hmm. shifting the norm, you know, and, and I think that we can, we can begin to emulate that too in, in our own ministries and, and seeing that kind of live that in our own church communities as well is completely agree. Yeah. And the whole thing of advocating for your own humanity is, is very paradigm shifting. It's a whole soapbox, but I'll, I'll spare your listeners. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that's good. Welcome back to part four of let's talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Allison, what do you wish that church parishioners or like the laymen, lay women of their church knew about the ministry family? Because, you know, throughout October, um, you know, people are encouraged to bless and show express appreciation for the ministers and their family, to their pastors or to those that are in leadership over them spiritually, their shepherds. What is it that you think people may not be aware of that might be actually a blessing to the ministry family? It's the small things. So when I look back over my experience in, in my life, um, it was the small, little, consistent things that people did that made the biggest impact. It was always getting a birthday present and we always get an Easter basket. It was, um, you know, Judy McIntyre taking time to, Bridget's smiling because she knows, yeah. <laughs> Judy, Miss Judy taking time to teach me how to make an apple pie. And um, it was, again, I, I go back to this whole church lady thing, like the, the women who just served my family and were for us, um, in really normal ways is what has made the biggest impact. And, and I think we kind of, when, especially when it comes to, to showing appreciation, we overthink it. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was Jody McIntyre. So Jody Pryor, sorry. Uh, Judy's Judy's daughter. Jody has been like a, an aunt to me my whole life. She taught me how to make coffee. And that is like a key skill in my life that, you know, has forever impacted me. But, yes. <laughs> but you know, just like really small things like that. Like I learned how to make coffee on the church coffee machine. And mm. that was, you know, <laughs> it was so just cute. these people who were constantly there, you know, that that's what makes the biggest impact. And, and I think that's, yeah, that's what I wish people could realize. And that's what I've tried to emulate too. Like in, in, you know, my, my pastors now are actually personal friends of mine as well. And, um, with their kids, it's just trying to show up and be there for the little things and saying happy birthday, you know, small stuff like that. Yeah. I think that people overestimate or maybe more than that, underestimate the things that are meaningful to people in leadership in general, um, because when you're leading, you are continually out front, and people um, underestimate the fact that you are a human, 
just like what you're talking about, advocating for your own humanity, and that maybe the pastor's wife does need a friend, someone that can maintain her confidence. Um, maybe she does need you to text her and go, you know, how are things going for you? Uh, following up and saying, I heard your kid was um, in, you know, not feeling well, or I heard that she was um, successful at this at school. How are you feeling about that? The everydayness that makes them know that it is okay for them to be human, at least with a handful of people in the local church. Yeah. Bridget, that's, that's huge. I'm going to, your dad in his book that he wrote, the game isn't over <laughs> today's sponsor. He has <laughs> this really sponsor. great chapter today's sponsor. He has this really great book or really great chapter on being your pastor's friend. Yeah. And I, that's always really stuck with me. And, um, I, I'm not, I'm not in pastoral ministry and it looks like that's a bullet that I've dodged. No offense. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but like, I've really always seen that as, as what I've tried to do is be a friend of my pastor. And I think you're highlighting it just that, that everydayness of of really looking out for your pastor's wife and, and you know, it, it does, it makes the, makes the biggest impact. I know in episode one, we were interviewing Lisa Goins, and that's one of the things that she referenced even just in the middle of all of this pandemic. She was like, you know, we were working so hard and have been working so hard to try to connect with all the people in our church. And then one day I realized, you know what? Nobody has bothered to check on us. And that's really, really huge. Um, and some things like that, a simple text or phone call can really get people in leadership another 10 miles down the road and feel so much strength, even just from such a simple attaboy, or maybe just a compliment instead of a criticism um, would be helpful. On the other side, as you mentioned, you're not now in full-time ministry, and you're serving in the local church um, as a parishioner or lay, lay person. What do you feel like today's pastor needs to know about the perspective from the pew? In today's society, and where we're at right now, we have so many incredible sermon resources at our fingertips. And I think that COVID has shown us that like I can go and listen to any preacher out there. And, um, you know, my pastor is a great communicator, but what supersedes his, his communication during a, a Sunday sermon, um, is the, the withness of my pastor okay. and his wife, both, um, the relational emphasis that they've put, which is at times pretty inefficient. It's an inefficient way to grow, grow a church is to go grab coffee with a million people every single week and just listen to them. But that has been the most healing and transformative thing that I wish every single pastor in America could, could understand is that relational investment of, of just listening to people. And, and I've, my pastor and his wife, Amy, I've cried with them. Um, I've gotten angry with them, not at them, but with them. They've gotten angry for me about mm-hmm. stories. Um, I've laughed with them. You know, they've just been, they've been with me. And that has been such an incredible gift and is the reason why I am I'm so committed to them mm-hmm. um, is because they're with me. You know, and, and I just, like I said, again, I, I think that right now we're in such a shift in what's happening in the church and, and it's that relational emphasis, I think that means more than anything to people, um, not just a, a Sunday experience. That's a good new phrase you've coined, witness. I like <laughs> witness. that. 
I probably honestly heard it from Keith or Amy. So let's, I just need to give, give credit there. Yes. Give credit where credit's due. <laughs> I love that. Well, Allison, let's talk a little bit about you before we go today. What is your greatest personal passion right now? Yeah. So it's a personal passion, but it's also a professional passion as well. And I am so incredibly grateful to be a part of what's happening with One Hope right now. A lot of people aren't familiar with One Hope or the organization, um, but um, version Kids is usually what people kind of associate. That's kind of been our, our upfront thing in North America. Um, so One Hope just is a part of a lot of very, very cool projects. And one of them is the, the program that I get to manage and help be a designer on, and, and that's called Feed. Um, so right now we're getting to take research. So global research studies on who Gen Z is, who this upcoming generation is, and really getting to take a hard look at the paradigms of youth ministry and how things have been done in the past and getting to bring in a a breath of new innovation and new resources and really getting to practically and meaningfully equip the local church. And um, that's the work that I'm getting to be a part of every day. And it is, it's constantly just amazing to me, the people I get to do it alongside, like it's, it's just so much fun. Um, But that's been a huge passion of mine. It's just getting to really reimagine the way that we're doing youth ministry and, and getting to provide resources for free. Like, I, I think that's the most incredible part of all is that we're getting to serve the church in a really powerful way, but in a, in a free way as well, which we all love. Absolutely. Nobody loves and appreciates free more than youth pastors, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. That's Unless it's sure. a college student. <laughs> that's, also, that's also for sure. <laughs> so how do they tap into this? I mean, a lot of our listeners would, I'm sure, love to learn more about what you guys are offering and the, the research that you're doing and some of, the, some of the things that you're finding. So how do our listeners learn more about what it is that you're doing there? Yeah. So the easiest way is to go to feed, F-E-E-D dot Bible online, and okay. you'll find our website there. It has everything that you could ever want to know about feed. Um, but if, if you are a youth pastor, if you're in youth ministry, or you just want to tee up your youth pastors for success, like, I'm not just saying this because I just talked about, and I work, I work on this initiative and like, but you got to check it out. I was in youth ministry for two years. That's like right. a fun footnote is that I, I got to work in youth ministry for two years. And if I would have, if I would have had these resources, it would have been such a game changer for me. Um, you know, so I can't say, I can't say enough positive things about it. It's, it's really cool what we're getting to be a part of and, and seeing God move. So feed.bible is how you can check out more. But also, I think my contact information will be in the show notes, I'm sure. sure. Please reach out to me directly. Like part of my job is to actually sit with youth pastors and talk about how they're doing ministry right now and how they could do it differently, even if it's not using our resources. It's like having an advocate and somebody who's just behind you saying, we're not going to let you fail, and we're going to help you um, connect you to what you need to do to build a ministry that creates a durable faith in students. So um, anyway, that that's like my huge passion. That's how you can connect with it. That is awesome. Well, I will, I'm so excited for our listeners to be able to grab a hold of that because um, you know, right now, I mean, student ministry in general is just, um, it is a challenge to feel like you are able to be with a student and have them fully present in your sitting. And so for any youth pastor and those that are ministering to, to students, the, those kinds of resources are crucial because, you know, just anytime we gain greater understanding about the people that we're trying to reach, that's, that's a win on all fronts for sure. 
Thank you so much, Allison, for giving us your time today and for just being authentic and just, you know, kind of being vulnerable with us. That's what really helps people to heal sometimes is to be able to know, okay, I'm not the only one, or maybe they're understanding something from their child's perspective that they were not able to understand before um, as they're raising their children in the ministry. It's a tough time to be raising kids at all, but to raise them in the ministry right now is very, very complicated. So I appreciate your insight and what you're bringing to us through this conversation and then what you're doing with One Hope and Feed. That's super cool. Super cool. And thank you. I've, I've gotten to be peripheral to the sanctuary journey from day one. And I just, it's so important what you're doing and and such a cool thing to, to get to be part of it. And um, yeah, I just keep, keep doing it, girl. You're awesome. Well, we appreciate it and look forward to maybe doing this again further down the road. So thank you again. I want to just uh, share this, close this with our listeners today, just to remind you that we do have a Facebook page for Let's Talk with Sanctuary. And so if you log into Facebook and you search Let's Talk Sanctuary, you're going to find us. And this is going to help you learn more of the behind the scenes about our podcast guests, learn more about upcoming episodes content that you can follow up with and all kinds of details. So this is going to help you share details too about the podcast with your friends. And honestly, your recommendation is a great, great compliment to what we believe um, God has us on assignment to do with Sanctuary. So we'd be honored if you would take some time just right now after you finish today's episode and give Let's Talk a rating and a review. And this just helps us to know how we're doing and how we can better develop our content for the future. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk. We look forward to seeing you again soon.